Baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you wanna feel. Say what you wanna say. You're gonna die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. Why do you waste your time? Think about your reputation. Let's see. Let's do a sound check. Testing. One, two. Testing. And then sometimes I laugh like this. <laughs> At my own jokes. Time, <laughs> Only your own jokes? No, everybody's. But especially, I laugh like really weird to my own jokes. <laughs> you... I have like an extra strange laugh. That's interesting. When I laugh at other people's, this is what I do. I <laughs> I have an actually no sound laugh most of the time. Throws her head back and collapses <laughs> like a seal. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I'm recording. We oh, okay. can we can keep this or not keep this. Yeah, and by good. the way, like you should know, this is like the most um, uh, easygoing podcast in existence. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's called Tangentially Speaking. So I can talk to you like this if you want to. <laughs> okay. I was interviewed by. Do you know who Susan Block is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First time I was interviewed by her was by phone from Spain. Uh-huh. Shortly after the book came out, I had no idea who she was. Yeah. Scheduled this interview, and for me, it was like seven o'clock in the morning on a Sunday or uh-huh. something. So I guess it was one of her Saturday night things. And that, the interview was like this. So I, I get on the phone. I wake up early. Get drink a bunch of coffee. I was doing lots of interviews. And it was like, oh, this is Dr. Susan Block. And I'm speaking with Christopher Ryan about bonobos. And I was like, who yeah. the hell am I, I talking to here? I, I got interviewed by her a couple years ago, too. And she had... Um Sabrina on the line, who's a phone sex operator. Uh-huh. So she would also go to Sabrina and be like, Sabrina, what do you think about that? And Sabrina would be like, I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you been to her place? Mm-mm. Like the show? No, oh, no, no. well, I'm a little I- scared. With reason. I mean, it's, she's a really interesting yeah. person and the whole thing. I mean, part of my trip is, um, you know, having written this book, it's all a fluke. Everything's a fluke in my life. It's just fluke after fluke, you know? And so I try to take advantage of the opportunities that come along, right? I spent most of my twenties and thirties backpacking around the world. And, you know, I worked on a fishing boat for two summers in Alaska. It's the adventure where... Adventure wear. Yes, Guys, I've he got has it. a leatherized uh, <laughs> cotton hat. I've got it like a Harrison Ford. He does. <laughs> and I've got the leather backpack and everything. The adventure pouch. Yeah, but I, you know, Patagonia shorts. How right. dorky is that? Yeah. You know, eh, well, whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm the, I'm the. Um, you know, old redheaded adventurer that, mm-hmm. that they don't last long. They all die from sun, <laughs> you <know>. sunburn, <laughs> sunburn, <laughs> skin cancer. Right. Like, hey, by the way, what does a pith helmet protect you from? A pith helmet? You know what a pith helmet no, I have is? No idea what that is. We're talking about like British adventurers mm-hmm. in Africa and Asia. They always remember those like hard little helmets they all wear, kind of white, like the Kaiser. Well, not with the spikes sticking okay. on the top. <laughs> oh, you know, you're no, forgetting. No you're idea. not the person to I ask. No, I'm like um, the opposite of an adventurer. Uh, my adventure is called Fifth Avenue in Louis Vuitton. <laughs> That's your adventure? That's my big adventure. Get south of 14th Street. Exactly. Oh, boy. No, no, Bring no. your machete. <laughs> um, your apartment, just to set the scene, because this is radio, mm-hmm. sort of. Right. Podcast is like radio, I guess. So we're setting the scene. We're in a beautiful apartment in Manhattan. 
and the walls are what color are the walls well they're tiffany blue so tiffany blue yeah our inspiration for our apartment was tiffany box uh and Mm -hmm. i love blue i love um turquoise is my favorite color i love turquoise yeah surprise surprise if you couldn't tell from here so this is all sort of shades and tones of um, Mm. that family of blue see i would have called it a family in the green family see some people say that they say it's like mint green or whatever but it's actually um it's actually tiffany blue and then the kitchen some people also say green but it's um I would say that's turquoise. Teal. teal. I would say the, teal. the kitchen's exactly. teal. teal. Exactly. The kitchen's this teal. shade of blue or green, depending on your perspective, is the color of Tibetan turquoise. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, not American turquoise. It right. comes from the Southwest, which is very blue. Right. The Tibetan turquoise has this greenish, uh, you might oh, still say blue, so but it's it's this color. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lovely, lovely turquoise. And they often mix it with... Um, uh, on a necklace or a bracelet or something, they'll they'll mix it with a deep orange red yeah. sort of burnt amber coral. The opposite of the color wheel. Yeah, yeah, and it really brings it out beautifully. Mm-hmm. I I I love Tibetan turquoise. Anyway, Jinsi is that yep. your name? Yes. Or is that your moniker? I, I no, never no, know. No, no, that's really my with, name. So with in, Twitter and know, you right? know the internet, no one knows. So in the south. Everybody gets given a birth name, and then they get some kind of strange nickname. Right? Uh-huh. So um, my birth name is Virginia Marie, and then my parents name me Jensi at birth. Yeah. Uh, from Virginia. Exactly. Yeah. Ah, interesting. And you don't sound like you're from the South. Oh, I think it's because I've been here a long time. It comes out, though, when I drink. And then I'll be like, oh, girl. <laughs> or when I start calling people heifer. Heifer? Yeah. Do you do that often? I do sometimes. Really? I might use silly heifer. Uh-huh. Yeah. How's that go over? Good. <laughs> They're like, what does that mean? <laughs> they don't know what it means. Obviously, that's good. if well, Southern people, if it's Southern people, that's like, a, that's a thing. It's a thing. Really? Mm-hmm. A heifer's a cow, right? Yeah, a yeah. female cow. So yeah. if you said, you cow, that, that wouldn't work so as well. Much. Good, to, so good to keep it obscure. Heifer is good, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. You, you silly heifer. Yeah. <laughs> I. I, I won't try that. I'll try not to, to say that. Yeah. That, that wouldn't work for me. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. You can get away with that maybe, but not me. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, here's what I know about you. Uh, you know, I, it could fit on the head of a pin, actually. Uh-huh. And, and we've actually, before I, while I was doing, setting things up, we established that actually neither of us really knows much about no, the other. No, not at all, <laughs> which is really funny. <laughs> That's good. We're just getting to know each other, folks. Yeah, right. You're coming along for our first meeting. Yeah. Um, so, you're a lawyer? Uh, yes, I don't practice anymore, but I was a lawyer. I saw the Esquire yes. somewhere in there. Exactly. And you're a sex uh, columnist at Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. Not sex advice, though. No. More sort of thinking about sex. More, yeah. I mean, definitely, I've tried to... I really don't like giving sex advice, honestly. I really like to speak about my experiences. I like to tell people about that stuff. And I find that people relate to me and will reach out to me for those sorts of things. And I'm okay telling people privately how I feel about a situation. But I really don't like publicly telling people what to do or not to do. um, Because I feel like it's a really dangerous territory. Because everybody's sexual experience is different. Yeah. And honestly, you know, I'm always of the mind that... People, things happen to people for a reason and they're on a certain path and the things that happen to them on that path need to happen to them. So it's really like if you kind of shortcut for them, it's, I really feel like they're going to have to repeat the lesson over and over. 
Are you some kind of Buddhist? I know, right? Um, no, I just got speaking I just of spiritual. Tibet. I know, just spiritual. Um, I mean, I grew up religious in the South, but I never really identified with but that. Not, you're not Southern Buddhist. I know, right? No, I did study Buddhism a little bit when did I lived. Okay. Um, yeah, when I lived in Paris, I lived um, in this like apartment that this woman would rent out her rooms and she was a buddhist and so she sat me down and like talked about a lot of that stuff and oh. um showed me her altar and gave me a bunch of um buddhist books and there's a buddha right behind you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i just noticed right. the buddha on the table yeah. behind you yeah. and also my wife my wife loves asia too so she's traveled some in cambodia uh, oh cambodia like that yeah have you been there? I have not. No. no, I've never been to Asia. We do have a trip planned though in the next couple Go. of years going there. Yeah, That's great. Mm-hmm. Cassie and I spent a year uh, traveling around Southeast Asia. Yeah, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, Laos. Mm-hmm. I'd been there a bunch of times before. It was her first time, and Laos was the highlight of the trip for us. Why? Well, why? Great um, sex, people. No. No, no. Laos, you could actually get in a lot of trouble for having sex with a, a Lao person. Oh. And and more importantly, get them in a lot of trouble. Really? Why? Uh, government control, you know, is a, is a communist government. And they had just recently sort of opened the country up. This was 10 years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. Geez, or eight, I don't know. But something like yeah. that. Um, I, so I don't know if that's changed, but... Uh, yeah, and they, 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 I guess the idea is that they wanted to not get into the situation that Thailand is in right? with a lot of sex tourism and kids getting victimized and, you know, all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's a very poor country. So I think their thinking was like, nip that in the bud. Otherwise it'll, you know, and uh, just put the sex monsters in jail. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, beautiful people, beautiful people all over Southeast Asia. But, um, the, the reason I think that Lao was so compelling for us was that we had just spent three months in Vietnam Mm -hmm. and, uh, we were really looking forward to Vietnam, but what we didn't understand is that the Vietnamese are very racist. Oh, really? And Casilda, my wife, is um, part Indian, part African. Uh-huh. She's, she looks Brazilian. You know, yeah, she's yeah. like this exotic, dark beauty. And people in Vietnam, so everywhere we go, people think she's a prostitute. Oh, my God. Right? Because they think yeah. she's from there. Because she oh, could be Vietnamese. She yeah, could be yeah. Thai. She right. could be whatever. Brazilian. Ecuadorian, you know, anybody who's brown and exotic looking, she could be one of them. So they all just assume she's a local traveling with the dorky white guy with the Harrison Ford hat. And, uh, you know, that's fine in Thailand where all that happens and it's accepted. But in Vietnam... They didn't like that. And Ooh. I mean, there is, it's not like other, like in Morocco or India, then right. you have a religious problem, right? Because they think, you know, because prostitution is very frowned upon. Oh, yeah, for There's sure. There's plenty of prostitution in Vietnam. The problem was that she's dark skinned. Mm-hmm. And dark skinned people in Vietnam are considered scum. Right. So, you know, and like the Vietnamese women, they wear these gloves that go up to their shoulders. They're riding around on motorcycles. They've got oh, gloves wow. all over. They've got big masks on their faces, big hats. It's all protecting against the sun. You can't buy skin cream of any huh. kind that doesn't have whitener in it. Really? Yeah. Wow. So everyone's striving to get as white as possible. And here's this dark, toasty brown yeah. woman. And like people Delicious. hit her three times. Hit her? Physically hit her. Like punched her in the face? Punched her in the back what? once. 
it costed her like a guy got off a bike and like walked up to her and squeezed her tits what the hell yeah just walking down a, a street at nine o'clock at night wow that's crazy yeah so anyway so we'd had enough of that yeah. and we got to lao and people were wonderful so sweet so there's no s in laos well there is okay. but when you're there people say lao i guess okay, lao okay. was a tr- is a tribe that the country's named after the uh, lao people the oh lao. and so it's the laos yeah so okay. in, in asia i always thought it was laos too right but in right. asia they say lao i don't know oh, interesting yeah how many times when you were in Vietnam did you say, good morning, Vietnam? Uh, never. <laughs> never. I would do that every morning. Would you? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, your wife might get tired of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think she really I might. might. Also, no, actually, I wouldn't make any sort of Apocalypse Now references. That would be really <laughs> wrong. No, I, there's a bar in Saigon my friend took us to called Apocalypse Now. Really? Yeah. Some funny American. No, I think it was a Vietnamese, okay, actually. Right. Yeah. Well, that makes it all right, then. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, in, in Bangkok, years ago, when I first went to Bangkok, like in the late 80s, I guess, I remember there was a story about a Thai guy who... Um, was opening a bar and he wanted to attract foreigners because he mm-hmm. could charge more, like mm-hmm. twice as much for beers or whatever. Right, right. So this guy, he's like a humble guy, saved up all his money to open a tiny little bar with four stools and a table, mm-hmm. you know. And so he, he he hadn't traveled, he wasn't educated, but he wanted to like get a decor that would attract the Europeans, right? Uh-huh. So he got some old life magazines and was looking through them trying to come up with a... Uh, you know, a color scheme. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I like this man. Yeah, okay. no, he's, he's creative, yeah. you know, and he, he went for it. So unfortunately the color scheme that he came across was like a red, white and black f- featuring swastikas. Oh God, <laughs> that's bad. And he had no he idea. He was like, Oh, that's so pretty. <laughs> exactly. Just like, Hey, this looks good. Right. And let's face it. The Nazis had some good aesthetics. Right. But I mean, the swastika has been around for a long, long Tibet. time. Tibet. Back yeah. to Tibet. It's an yeah. old Tibetan thing. Yeah. But Although now, I think it spins the other way. The Tibetan could be, but, uh, now, no. Yeah. Now it's no. verboten. Yeah. So to speak. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, the guy decked out his place and you know, he opened and, uh, it got a lot of attention. Das ist not <laughs> Das ist nicht, nicht gut. Yeah. Um, anyway, enough about the Nazis. So you're a lawyer yeah. uh, by education. Have you ever practiced? I did, yeah. I practiced in Florida, and then I came here and in practiced. In Florida. Yeah, where I went to law school. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Did you, were you specializing in the stand-your-ground law? <laughs> I know, right. What a place Super to practice law. Yeah. Um, no, I worked. I did. I worked with the guy who did who had a general practice Uh and he was like 80 no he was like 78 at the time Mm. and he really wanted me to take over so he did everything honestly from like traffic tickets to divorces and custody to real estate matters to like slip and fall it's really just like it was a small town guy so um interestingly enough you know my father was a lawyer and so that was i think the period of time in my life where i was kind of like am i going to repeat the same path or whatever. Am I going to do the same thing that my father did? And I felt every day that I was strangling myself, I would wake up and I would go, you know, drive to the office and I would get to my desk. And I just honestly, like, I felt like the air was going out of me. I felt suffocated Mm. and, um, I could not see 
my life. Like I couldn't project into the future and see my life in 20 years at all. Mm. Like couldn't see it. So I started to think like, uh, I think this is not for me. This is not the place for me. Being gay also in Florida is really tough. Um, this is because I had a girlfriend and just people look at you sometimes when you go out on the street might be a little bit different now. Cause that was, you know, seven, eight years ago. But, Depends. I mean, people don't yeah. know. People who haven't. I used. I lived in Jacksonville for a while. Yes, that's where I went to school. Oh, okay. Yeah. So people who haven't spent time in Florida, other than like flying to Miami for a week, right. Don't understand that most of Florida is redneck. Oh it's yeah. Alabama. Oh it's, yeah. And well, Jacksonville. You know that the slogan for Jacksonville is "Where Florida Begins." But then the other slogan, the underneath slogan is where Georgia ends. I would say it's where Georgia continues. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't know where Florida begins, but I don't think it's Jacksonville. Exactly. I mean, Leonard Skinner is from Jacksonville. Right. No, you know? Oh, my God. And they're like, Southern man don't need him around in a hat. They are so, and I mean, there's like bars and bars named after them. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So nothing against Leonard Skinner. I mean, I've played as much uh, free bird air guitar as right. anybody, but uh, yeah, it's it's the South. It's, it's it's also being you know I I practiced in a place called um, Orange Park, which is right outside of Jacksonville, yeah. and the county courthouse was in a place called Green Cove Springs, uh-huh. and I was one of two female attorneys. In the whole... And that would regularly come to the courthouse, uh-huh. yes. Um, and, and you were openly gay? I was openly gay, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think I like went around advertising it like I didn't say, hey, hello, everybody, gay rights attorney over what here. I am. No, but yeah. I mean, people did know. Um, yeah. But what I found, what I encountered more there was just sexism, you know, just right. a lot of sexism. And, um, I got talkings to from the judge about like what I would wear oh, or whatever, really? you know, like my skirts were too short <laughs> or they didn't like my briefcase. I got, um, I got blessed out by one judge actually in his chambers. Blessed out. That's what we say. That's yeah. a Southernism. Instead of cussed out, like blessed oh, out. Oh, yeah. isn't that great? <laughs> and it was so That's cute. So I got blessed out by this Gosh, judge. I know for bringing my Louis Vuitton suit, uh, briefcase to court. He's like, is that a Louis Vuitton briefcase? <laughs> I don't think that's appropriate for my courtroom, Miss Lumpkin. But why not? He just said, I don't know. I guess like it was too, he, I don't know, had too a legally blonde sort of moment or something, uh. you know? <laughs> I mean, everybody called me, everybody called me Elle Woods. Called you what? Elle Woods, the Elle Woods. protagonist in that movie. I've yeah. never seen Everybody it. was like, here comes Elle Woods. Really? Yeah. No, I guess I have to see it. Oh. I was, I told you I was having lunch with my editor earlier and he was, he was aghast at the fact that I've never seen Splash. Oh my God, you haven't? See, he, he that's exactly how he reacted. He was what? he looked at me with this concern, this urgent concern. Yeah. Like, how on earth have you not seen Splash? I know, how have you escaped living in America? Well, you've been all over the that's place. That's the thing, but, I wasn't living yeah, in America. I mean, there's the a whole window of like 15 years of American yeah. culture that I just skipped it. You know, wow. I, was, I was elsewhere. I was just looking at that the other night and I was like, I really want to watch that. Really? Yeah, but I think they make you buy it on Amazon. And I was like, pfft. 
Oh. I'll just go to the video store. Yeah. You know? do, do, are there still video stores? There's an amazing one around the corner from my house. Yeah. Manhattan, folks. Yes, the exactly. best of the future and the past. <laughs> yes. Uh, wow. Okay. So, Splash, here's a funny little bit of trivia mm-hmm. that I'm sure you don't know and most of my listeners probably don't know. Although I tend to repeat stories. This is the problem with having a podcast. Right. Like... You know, we all repeat stories. We all have our little stories, you know, and as long as you're talking to new people all the time, yeah. it doesn't matter. And your mm-hmm. wife's used to it, so she'll put up with it. Oh, right. But um, when you have a podcast, like I get emails from people saying, a dude, you told that story right. again, you know. <laughs> so apologies to anyone who's paying more attention to this than I am. But uh, what the hell was the story? Oh, uh, Daryl Hannah. Yeah. First person to ever ask me to sign a copy of Sex at Dawn for. Really? Weird, huh? Crazy. Especially because I don't like hanging out with movie stars. Right, you know? right, right. It right. was just this bizarre set of coincidences. Did you meet her in person or she wrote you and said, will you sign for me? No, I met her in person. Really? Yeah. And she'd read the book. Are you told? She uh, okay. Here's the story. Yeah, you're please, you're sorry. asking for the I know, story. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. She. It, I mean, you can't tell me that the hot mermaid asked you to sign a copy of your it. sex book and not tell me the story. <laughs> I did watch The Little Mermaid this weekend, actually, again for like the hundredth time. I've never seen that either. Okay. You're not as concerned about that. No, I mean, you did. It is a Disney movie, bud. <laughs> yeah, Disney. Anyway, what the hell am I talking about? Daryl Hannah. Okay, yes. so here's what happened. I'm friends with a guy named Andrew Weil, who's a famous medical doctor. Very interesting guy. Mm-hmm. In fact, I had him on the podcast, one of my first guests. Um, fantastic guy. And I've known him for 20 years or so. Uh, and uh, let's see. This is just before the book came out. So this is like spring of 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote to me and said, hey, a friend of mine's coming to Barcelona. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to give him your email address. And, you know, he's an interesting guy. Maybe you can meet and help him out, show him around or whatever. I said, of course. So I'm thinking, you know, and Andrew at that point, you know, was in his, I don't know, early 60s, maybe mid 60s. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be a guy more or less Andrew's age. You know, he knew from back in the day, whatever, some professor, doctor for a conference. And my job is going to be, you know, help him with the language, take him to some good restaurants and make sure he doesn't get pickpocketed. Right. Because that's what happens to you in Barcelona. And uh, so I'm waiting to hear from this guy. I never hear from him. Finally, uh, I get a call on my phone and it's an unrecognized number. And it's this guy. He's like, hey, Chris, what's happening, man? My name's, uh, this is uh, Andy Wiles' friend, uh, Charis. Now, Charis means hashish. In India, right? In right. Hindi. So his name's Charis, first of all. Like, hey, yeah, I'm Charis. Uh, hey, what are you doing tonight? It's, uh, I don't know. Right. Oh, we're having this party in the beach out by the airport. You got to come. Yeah, bring a guitar. and Oh, and bring a copy of your book. Now, I didn't even... The book wasn't published yet, right? Uh, but I had... Um, uh, what are they called? Galleys, you know, like a no, pre-publication. Okay, uh-huh. When you when you, when you publish in a, a big publishing house, what they do is they'll like publish three hundred copies uh-huh. before the you know while it's being edited, so right. they can send those out to journalists uh, for review and whatever. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so I had a, a few of those, and uh, I had sent one to Andrew because. Andrew blurbed for the book. Uh-huh. So he had lent his copy to this guy, Charis, who had flown over with Daryl Hannah uh-huh. 
And they were traveling together uh, in support of, what was it, uh, biofuel, mm-hmm. you know, like using vegetable, f- you know, McDonald's r- right, right, stuff right. for running buses and all that. So they were uh, promoting that, going to various conferences, and she was like the star to attract the journalists and all mm-hmm. that. And... So I go to the, and he says, bring another copy of your thing because my friend went, read part of it on the flight and she wants to read the rest. So I got there and the friend was Daryl Hannah. That's so funny. And she was like, oh, I really enjoyed the book, you know. Can yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, I brought you another one. I didn't know it was you. And oh, can you sign it for me? And now it's like three in the morning. Okay. By the time we have this conversation and, you know, it's been six hours of partying on the beach. And I said, of course, I'll sign it for you. But I'm like wasted. And right. you know, I don't I have no idea what I wrote or if it's even oh legible. God. And I said to her, you know, but can I get a picture of you and me, mm-hmm. you know, or holding the book? Because she was in the only film about prehistory, Clan of the Cave Bear. Mm-hmm. She was the star. Mm-hmm. And she was also in a great movie based on one of my favorite novels of all time called at play in the fields of the lord mm-hmm. about first contact with a tribe in the amazon yes with kathy bates you know that film yeah, oh great film. you haven't seen it i know you've been Shocking. watching splash know, what's wrong with true. you <laughs> anyway uh, at play in the fields of the Lord, the novels by Peter Matheson for anyone who wants to read a really great, oh, what a great book that is. Anyway, a uh, great film as well. Hector Babenko mm-hmm. uh, directed it. Um, yeah, so that's my Daryl Hannah story. And oh, and I said, so let, you know, let's get a picture together. And uh-huh. and she was like, oh, come on, it's so late. I must look terrible. And I was Aww, like, oh, okay, what a bummer. No, I'm not going to push. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to push. Um, and she was cool. She was fun. I remember there was like a thing on the beach, one of those, like a jungle gym made out of elastic things. You know what I'm talking about? It's, like a Burning Man thing. I, I haven't been to Burning Man. I haven't either. But they all talk about like the. Things that they build there, and Probably. then they burn them. Oh, it's well, burning man! I guess. Yeah, no, this this wasn't burning. They weren't going to burn this. This is like a thing for kids to hang out, you know. Uh-huh. And, and they're like a lot of it, it's sort of like made out of really thick um, bungee cords, mm-hmm. and it's like a pyramid shape and mm-hmm. you know so you can climb on it and hang and bounce and you know and so she and i were like hanging on it together at <laughs> two in the morning hanging out <laughs> we a couple spiders in a web me and daryl we go way back yeah anyway so that's why this this podcast is called tangentially speaking ah makes sense because totally it's sense. undisciplined <laughs> right. okay what else do i know about you you're a lover of breasts i am huge big time all now, sizes, all, all sizes, shapes, all shapes. All colors. Really? Now, did yeah. you have I'm a non-discriminatory breast lover? Really? Hell yeah! Well, that's nice. Mm-hmm. The world needs more of those. Yeah. Breasts are breasts mystify me. I will actually no. I do have one discriminatory. I'm not. I don't love fake boobs. Yeah. That I, I like. Let me just. I, will, I think I will edit that statement and say I love natural breasts. Yeah. Of all shapes, sizes, and colors. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if the fake thing. What's weird about the fake thing is, I mean, how, how do I say this? It's like they're not even trying to look natural anymore. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah, sometimes. I've gotten a lot of pushback. I have to say, and I've like reconsidered my position on this sometimes because um, a 
lot of trans women. Like I, I wrote, you know, I always put in my castings, like no fake boobs or whatever. And they were like, well, hello, I don't have real ones. So I have to put them in. So that really kind of made me think about that. But I guess, you know, just from, from a more like aesthetic point of view, thinking about porn, there's just, there's so many fake boobs in porn that I kind of feel like by not having fake boobs already, you're sort of sending a different message. Yeah. 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 You're resisting. Correct. Yeah. Because the norm now right. is, is yeah. boobs. Yeah. 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 I, I hope I hope porn is cyclical. In this. It is. I can see it changing. You already. think so? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because some of the girls, some of the girls who are the most popular stars right now, most of them actually don't have fake boobs. Uh-huh. You know, um, the top grossing girls like Dana Darmond, she doesn't have fake boobs. Um, I just worked with Anna Fox, who has won a couple different awards for like favorite sex star or whatever. She's got gorgeous fake, for gorgeous real boobies. Do I have to look her up? Anna yeah. Fox. Uh huh. I'm so, I'm so out of the, the loop. I mean, I haven't yeah. seen Splash. I don't know who the hot porn stars <laughs> yeah, are. That's true. What am I doing with myself? I know. What are you doing with that time? <laughs> I'll give you some juicy pink box porn to take home. And, okay. Um, and do some research about it. Now we're talking. Yes, exactly. Swag. Yep. All right. And I'm going to get you a Sex at Dawn t-shirt. Oh, great. Okay, awesome. Um, I brought a bunch of them to New York, uh-huh. but it's hard to know because I don't know you, so I don't know what right, size right, and all right, that. Right. Um, and anyway, they all just evaporated. I don't yeah. know where they went. And I had books and everything, and they're all gone. <laughs> um, but my mother handles the Sex at Dawn t-shirt distribution center. Oh, that's really cute. And she's very organized. Is she excited? Is she, is she like really into it? Um, well, she, she's got other jobs and stuff, but uh-huh. she's very, she likes organi- organizing. She likes yeah. checking off boxes mm-hmm. and, you know, having things happen the way they're supposed to. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, it's cool to have her, you know, and, and she gets 10 bucks a shirt. So That's so funny. Yeah, my mom now... Um, it's only recently that she's actually started to talk to me about work because she was very unhappy about my switch from law to porn. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can just, I would love to be a fly uh, on the well, wall for that good. conversation. Good. Did uh, you get blessed out? I didn't. <laughs> she has a different way of doing things. Oh, she doesn't have like, get the silent. She's not, yeah, mm. it's a, she's a little bit like she just ices you out and she's like, well, I don't know why you would do that. Hmm. I don't know why you would give up your law degree and your law job to go and do this business. So it's that kind of thing. But it's so funny because um, I just got profiled on ABC Nightline a couple months ago. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And so she watched that. And so now she's very interested. Now she's into it. Now you're a star. Yeah, exactly. Now she's into it. And she's like, so what happened on set? Did you shoot? What happened? What is... How did they do? Blah, 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 blah. And she wants to ask me a lot of questions. Uh She also now wants to know lots of sexual things. Really? Like techniques? Yeah, which is extremely awkward. No, like, what's a fetish? Is one conversation that we had, and I was oh. like, "Oh God, I really don't want to be talking." <laughs> Where to you. do I can start? Can you just please? Can I just send you like some resources? Yeah, I really don't want to savagelove.com. Exactly. <laughs> Ask exactly. Dan. Hey, faggot. So funny. That's exactly where I would have sent her to. Yeah. Or to Dodson and Ross. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, but it's so funny. We'll always have these like really awkward conversations when we're driving in the car. Uh-huh. 
I'm stuck. You know, <laughs> I can't get out. But at least you don't have to and make eye contact. I'm like, I'm like silently reaching for the door handle. And I'm like, oh, God. I don't care I'm if we're going 55. I'll roll out of it. Oh, my God. And then she wants to tell me about like her boyfriend's fetishes. And I'm like, I really... Uh, really don't need to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an awkward thing. I mean, that's something that we share, uh, to the extent that, you know, I, I wrote this book about sex and my parents have been married for 53 years. They just a few days ago celebrated their 53rd anniversary. And, um, you know, and, and I remember in an interview, somebody, uh, my parents came up and I mentioned they'd been married a long time, whatever. And I don't even remember who it was, but the interviewer said, so how do they feel about this? And, and I remember thinking or saying, I'm not sure if I said it out loud, but I certainly thought, you know, they're so proud that their son co-authored a book and daughter-in-law that got published right. and you know in newsweek and you know it's like people are talking about it and it's selling and like that i think i could have written the book about how to dispose of bodies and you know they'd right. still be proud yeah it's, so it's kind of like your mom it's like okay they don't necessarily get it they understand or approve of of what you're doing but if you're very successful at it it's almost right. like it doesn't matter anymore that's the thing yeah that's the thing you got to get to a certain level but i've thought about it a lot and i mean i think it's like it's unfortunate that we have that divide, you know, and I feel like it's a lot, it's that way with a lot of people. So their parents feel uncomfortable talking yeah. to them about sex. And so therefore time progresses and they're uncomfortable talking to their parents or their children about sex. So I really want to try in whatever way is most natural, um, to bridge that gap. Of course, I'm sure my daughter's going to be like, Oh my God, mom, get out of my life. But I hope that we'll be able to, I hope I'll be able to break that shame barrier. How old's your daughter? Well, I don't have one yet. I'm just, oh. I'm, <laughs> we've been talking about it a lot. You, no, no, no. you did a really good impression of her know, uh, no, no, for no, someone who doesn't um, exist. I, yeah. It's because I'm creating her in my mind right ah. now. Um, no, we've been trying to have a baby uh-huh. and um, we're doing the gender selection spin. So it gives you like an 80% chance of getting the sex that's desired. Is that a dance? Um, I know, right? It's like a, more like a paint spinner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, because like the heavier sperm. Yeah, go to one's one, heavier, yeah, whatever, something, right. something. So yeah, there's like normally 50 million sperms or something in an ejaculation. Uh, 60 in mine, baby. Okay. Yeah, hey, hey. Hey, and hey. it knocks out, of course, like half of them because half are boys and half are girls. Yeah. Wow, you're doing the what's it called? The gender selection spin? Yeah. That's what happens when you drink too much. Right. <laughs> too much champagne or exactly. tequila. Oh, yeah, the gender selection spin. Uh okay, speaking of gender selection. So now are you you describe yourself as gay? Yeah. Have you are, are you someone who was born or or that from your earliest consciousness knew you were oriented toward women or mm-hmm. is that something that sort of came later? No, I definitely had a sex with a lot of men. Okay. Pretty much every way that you can. Right, cuz I mean gay men and gay women are different in that respect Not often. Always. Not always. Not yeah. always, but Depends. I mean, I know a lot of gay guys who also like slept around in college and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. And, um, so, you know, for me, I think, well, here's the thing. I grew up in a town, I grew up in a time when really there were no like famous out lesbians. 
this was, you know, I grew up before Ellen came out hmm. <clears throat> on television. Martina Navratilova was kind of quiet about it. Yeah, she it, was definitely it, not out. It wasn't um, a... There was like some speculation that she and Whitney Houston were hooking up because Whitney Houston had an apartment in Atlanta. Martina? Yeah. That was like the, always the rumor that they were girlfriends. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yep. That's some Atlanta gossip. That's an Inside unlikely scoop. couple. Inside scoop. Uh, so yeah, I grew up in a small town of like 23,000 people. There was not one single gay out person, right. let alone a woman. Right. I had never, I had heard of gay men cause that was like, you know, there was whatever, um, I don't remember exactly when um, George Michael got exposed as being gay or whatever, but that was around the same time. I think Elton John came out at a certain point. Freddie Mercury, there were like speculations about him was being gay? gay. I know. Shocking. Do you know in Spain, where I live, mm-hmm. Queen is like super popular with uh-huh. like hard ass homophobic idiots? <laughs> They don't know it's yeah, yeah, a gay yeah. band. They it have happens no clue. sometimes. It happens like that. So <laughs> yeah, I uh, I did, honestly did not know uh, that lesbians existed. Yeah. I knew I had feelings for women. Even when I was like ten, I was sleeping over at a friend's house, mm. and then I, we were. I got this like uncontrollable urge to lick her. She was asleep, so I like licked her arm, and then I was like, oh my god, did she wake up? And she didn't wake up, thank God, because that would have been really embarrassing. Was she salty? Um. <laughs> remember she probably tasted like watermelon you know because girls at that age i feel like that you like have all these like bath and body products that like taste okay. like things chocolate okay you know, white I, chocolate. Gotcha. I thought just southern girls tasted like watermelon <laughs> what have i been missing i love watermelon, watermelon. And fried chicken seedless <laughs> don't go there <laughs> oh my god so yeah and then it's funny because you know i i it was more like i didn't even know it was an attraction yeah do you know and we would be in the locker room or whatever, and I would want to look at girls' boobs, and mm. I would be like, don't look at the boobs. Don't look at the boobs. Something's wrong with that. Mm. And I grew up in a household where I was taught, you know, don't have sex before marriage, and for sure, obviously, it was like marry a man. Right. So I had no I had no role models that were gay whatsoever. So feeling really alone with that um, leads you to do a lot of crazy things. So I kind of, it took like me go a to really, law school. I know, right? It took me a really long time to actually come around and accept that I was gay. Um, and I spent a lot of years like, well, not a lot, like two swinging and hooking up with a lot of married chicks mm. and always being like, this is not doing it for me. Like, why do I have attraction to women? And yet I'm having sex with them and it's very unfulfilling. Because the emotional content of the relationship aspect was missing. That, and I think also they were not gay. Ah. A lot of them are just by curious. And so, Interesting. you know, the... So how does that affect the interaction? Well, it honestly was like porn. It was kind of like we would just like do like they do in porn, sort of. You know, like mm. just do some weird kissing and like weird touching neither one of us honestly it was like the blind leading the blind no, no one knew what to do uh-huh. everybody's like pff. i mean it took me forever to figure out where my clitoris was so i for sure couldn't find it on somebody else betty dotson could have shown you uh she did show me i went to the really? sex workshop in <laughs> seriously yeah. i mean luckily i found it before the body sex but she very clearly pointed out all of the aspects of the vagina so i'm very i'm very familiar with the vulva now oh good i know all parts of it uh my vulva has a new name oh now. well it didn't have an old name it just got named do you, do you want to share that or my vulva's that, name is, is eve eve yeah 
yeah, I wanted to, because I grew up, you know, Christian, so I wanted to sort of, I always really liked the name Eve, mm-hmm. but I kind of wanted to give a new history to that so that it wasn't so steeped in all that um, sexist religious bullshit. Right. Interesting. You know, I haven't thought about, like, it's very common for men to have a nickname for the penis, but why, I mean, do women have nicknames for their vulvas? Well, all the girls in the body sex workshop, do you know? Well, I guess they do. That's yeah. part of the initiation. There was, there was one vagina that changed colors, like, that was really, like, it was kind of, like, iridescent and, and, like, as she would get aroused, it would, like, change different colors. So she ended up calling um, her vulva Opal. That's beautiful. I thought you were going to say octopus. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Chameleon. <laughs> no. Opal. I thought opal. it was really nice. Yeah, opals are great. Mm-hmm. Talking about like turquoise. Opal's oh, my beautiful. right up there with turquoise. Beautiful. I mean, I like stones that, you know, they're they're beautiful when you find them. Right. You know? like, right. n- like diamonds. I've never understood diamonds. Uh-huh. Like, okay, at best it looks like glass. Who gives a shit? Uh-huh. Oh, it's sparkly. So what? So is I snow. Do. You like <laughs> <I> diamonds. <do. laughs> yeah, but I just, I like glamour and I like sparkle and yeah. all of those things. But I mean, so. you know, I, I worked in the diamond district for a couple of years mm-hmm. here in New York. Weird story. But I, I ended up working there. And, you know. I feel like I read that on your bio. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. one of uh-huh. the bizarre. Yeah, what, what did I say earlier? Lark, the larks, one right. lark after exactly. another. That mm-hmm. was a lark. Yeah, um, yeah, and and you know, like experts need special glasses and tools and lights to tell cubic zirconium from a diamond. Right. So knowing that, like, why the hell would anyone buy a diamond? Well, I mean, why does anybody buy a fake Louis Vuitton bag versus a real one? Because you know the difference, right? But, yeah. And, I mean, I just, I feel like we make all kinds of, you know, assignations about certain things, right? And so no one really, it's it's all arbitrary anyway. So it's like you well, might Well, for things well, like that, you know it is. What I mean? But, yeah. I mean, there is a difference between, a, you know, a Ford Pinto and a Mercedes, you know, S-Class. Yes, exactly. There's a it, definite difference yeah, there. For sure. Whereas, you know, a diamond this versus that or, or a fake Rolex with a Seiko, you know, mechanism versus a real Rolex, which mm-hmm. costs, you know, 50 times more. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Or, right. or like wine, you know, like I, I like wine. I live in Spain, right? Mm-hmm. I love wine. But above 20 bucks a bottle, I think it's all just bullshit. Yeah. It's all branding. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know the for story? Sure. Champagne for sure as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, I like until, you know, until you don't notice the difference anymore. And then I just think it's a con game. Yeah. You I'm know? okay with that. You like being conned? I mean, I'm all right with like subscribing to that <laughs> you know, I'm okay if it's glamour I'll go with it you you know? you're a sucker for glamour I am. it's wow. true it's true you ever heard of joy it. perfume yes is that the one that's like a bajillion per drop yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay so here's the story I love about joy perfume so whatever the company is that made joy perfume makes lots of different perfumes uh-huh. right this is I think in the 60s so they came out of this new perfume and uh, a small advertising agency which has now become B, I think it was a BBDB or whatever, you BBDO. know, BBDO. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they, at that time, and I may be mixing this all up, right? right? So could just be, it, you know, interchangeable. Google it. People. Yeah. But the story is that, uh, this advertising agency was trying to break in, trying to get this client and then they'd been knocking at the door forever. And finally the client was like, look, we got this new scent. 
see what you can do with it and show us what you can do. Right. Uh-huh. And it was just another scent that they'd come up with, you know, in their factory of scents. And at the time it was in a, you know, square bottle and whatever, and they didn't have a name for it, or maybe they did. I don't know. <laughs> and the, the advertising agency looked at the market and said, all right, we're going to, we're going to put this in a much smaller bottle, mm-hmm. much less volume, increase the price higher than the currently most expensive perfume. And the whole advertising campaign is going to be Joy Perfume, the most expensive perfume in the world. Mm-hmm. And it worked like gangbusters. Yeah. And it's still working. Like You knew it. You know, yeah, It's like a course. bajillion per, per drop. Yeah. So you, you create perceived value uh-huh. and you can actually charge money for it. Oh, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. Oh, of course. I mean, that's like everything. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, but not sure. everything. See, real that's estate, the thing. Real estate to location. Well, but location right? does matter. Sometimes and sometimes not. Yes, if it's by the water or whatever, but like one neighborhood versus another neighborhood, just if you're going to make it from nothing, which we did. Do you know what I'm saying? Is make it from nothing. Yeah, like isn't build up build from the land up. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So no, it's like and, one and McMansion neighborhood versus another McMansion neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, commute time is the same, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. I mean that it would be interesting to sort of think that through, you know, there's a whole there are classes of of commodities in which value actually exists inherently Mm -hmm. in the thing. And then there are other classes where it only exists. The only value is the perceived value. Right. So like the stock market, like everybody's buying the stock, it's going up. That makes more people buy it, which makes it go up more. And you know, then you've got your thing. Right. And not only that, but I think, you know, we rely on that. We need that. Right. Because we're such social creatures. Well, no, not only that, but I mean, if you, if everybody went around and said like, I don't know, stock markets, perceived value, no one would buy anymore. And then our entire economy would collapse. Right. Which might be a good thing. Oh God. Here we go. (laughs) Communism 101 people. (laughs) Well, listen, I'm working on a book called civilized to death. Okay, All that's right. where it's coming from. So, okay, okay. yeah, I'm a bit of a skeptic as these things go. Uh, do you know Louis C.K.? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see his bit where he's talking about being on the airplane and the Wi-Fi doesn't work? So, here's the thing. I Louis C.K. had a recent like comedy thing, and I was like, what's the big deal? So, I went to HBO or whatever it was, started watching it, and then he's the first joke was about flushing a dog down a toilet. And I was like, I'm over this. He f- flushing a dog down it? Yeah. Oh, like how you can't? No, like, like there's some ugly dog that his neighbor had, and he wanted to flush it down the toilet, and he kept just... it was. It went on for a long time, and I was like, I'm not really into this. I'm yeah. not really into animal abuse. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's a joke, but it just was not my thing. Yeah. Is that the only thing you've heard by him? Yes. <laughs> it's like, fuck that dog hater. I'm over you. <laughs> well, he he does a thing. I don't know if it's the same bit, but he does this whole thing about how his dog ate some chocolate. and No, different. This was about a neighbor or something. And he was trying to wash his mouth out. Mm-mm. Oh. Yeah. Oh, great! Yeah. He has more dog jokes, more dog. But but this jokes. is loving the dog, oh, okay. and and right. so trying to save the dog. Mm-hmm. But everyone thinks he's abusing the dog because he's like pouring hydro, uh, hydrogen peroxide into oh, his mouth, God. and it's foaming, and the dog's like freaking out. Yeah, and yeah, but yeah. he's and he's running, trying to get to the vet because he thought the dog was going to die like in uh-huh. thirty seconds or something from eating the chocolate. Oh, and yeah, 
Anyway, I, 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 Louis C.K. is brilliant, and I, I hope you'll give him another chance someday. He's oh, not a dog okay. abusing. Yeah, yeah. That's not a big part of his, his television thing. show, right? He, his show is amazing. Okay. Yeah, it's called Louis. I think it's just, it's just called Louis, um, and it's amazing. I mean, one of the cool things about that show is that he had another show earlier uh, a few years ago that sucked. It's called oh, Lucky really? Louie. Yeah, it really oh, sucked. It was just like laugh track bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think he kind of felt humiliated by that. And so when they came back and, you know, I think HBO pitched him, like, let's do a show. His whole thing was like, look, you can pay me a tenth of what you're offering. Uh-huh. But I'm in complete control. I like that. And so he... Good attitude. And they went for it, right. Mm-hmm. And he's like that. He's, he's, a, he's a paradigm-busting guy. His last comedy uh tour uh concert footage whatever it's called um he said okay look in- instead of you know selling dvds and you know you got to do this and that, five bucks mm-hmm. and you download it and there's no copy protection right so if you want to rip me off you can rip me off please don't because it's only five bucks right and we're going to try this because i'd like lots of people to be able to see it and yeah. let's see what happens within a couple of days he had a million downloads. Oh my God. And so he he's like, I don't remember what the percentages were, but he immediately was like, wow, this is way better than mm-hmm. I thought it would be. You know, 40% of this money's going to, you know, animal rights activists. And <laughs> <laughs> just People, he's really trying to win me over to Louis C.K. I love Louis Big C.K. Time. I love Louis C.K. Number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this whole book that I'm working on, Civilized to Death, is sort of you know, like the the sand in the middle of the pearl in uh-huh. this whole thing is a Louis C.K. bit where he's talking about being on an airplane and there's Wi-Fi. And he's like, holy shit, Wi-Fi. I didn't know there was Wi-Fi on airplanes. This yeah. is like the newest thing ever, you know. And so he's checking his email and looking at you porn or not you porn. <laughs> or maybe it was you yeah, porn. Why not? It's Wi Fi. Yeah. And he uh and then something happens and the stewardess says, Oh, sorry, we have to reset the Wi Fi, it'll be a few minutes. And the guy next to him says, Oh, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And Louis's like Man, like 10 minutes ago, we didn't know this existed. And (laughs) now we're pissed off when it doesn't, you know, and, and we're sitting in a chair in the sky, by the way, you know, probably in like business or first class. Yeah, of course. And later in an interview, he admitted there was no guy next to him. That was him. So the whole thing, so his point, you know, he goes through all this stuff about how amazing it is to be flying in the first place. And Uh it used to take six years to go from New York to LA. Now you watch a movie, take a dump and you're there and, you know, goes through this whole thing. And he says, you know, these days everything's amazing and nobody's happy. Right. So that's what my book's about. That's what I'm, I'm working on, mm-hmm. you know? So the, and, and he sort of got into that bit by talking about the economy collapsing and saying, yeah, maybe we need to go back to the days where, you know, the donkey and the pants clump, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not a lot of glamor in that. You probably no, wouldn't dig that. I would find the glamor though. You would, would find. Like, oh, hell yeah. Donkey glamor. Like, no, no, no. I would be like, um, what is that? couple that's on the beverly oh the, no, no, no no that's on the island that's on gilligan's island oh the professor thurston how the third yes exactly i would be like and those lovey people. lovey I would be like those people <laughs> i would be like with my own cheeks and my hot you know? and <laughs> really? i would be like wearing my pearls to uh-huh. i don't know go till the yard <laughs> you know <laughs> 
<laughs> or did you ever see Green Eat Acres? The chickens. Of course, I all loved that show. Really? Oh my god, are you kidding me? Green Acres is that. the place to be. Yeah. yeah. And I used to do like a whole song and dance number. Oh really? <laughs> would you perform oh, it for yeah. us? Yeah. Um, I don't even remember it anymore. But my mom would like call on me to show monkey for our friends and be like, "Do the Green Acres thing. Do the Green Acres." And I would do it in like Jagabor's voice the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Jaja Gabor. <laughs> and wasn't she a twin? Yeah. Edie Gabor? No, who was no, the no, other no. Gabor um, sister? Or triplets, maybe? No, 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 no. Um, I don't even think it was Gabor. I think it was like, uh, it wasn't like Ava Gardner or something? I don't think it was Ava Gardner. Okay. But, <laughs> Someone like but, that. Or weren't they the Gabor sisters and they're from Hungary or something? They are, but I feel like the other one was like way more famous and was not named Gabor. Uh. Well, I don't know. It's listeners. Again, Google. Google. Google right. and tweet. Tweet us the, the Gabor trivia exactly. we lack here. Yeah. Too bad it's not live. We could like take know, questions, right? you know, know, and people would be calling in. We have a in. caller from Arizona. <laughs> Jinsey, you, as you don't know, the Gabor sisters, uh, Hee Haw. Hee Haw? Did you ever watch Hee Haw? Is, wasn't that on like the country music? No, see, now you're pretending you don't know. The, no, Green like Acres and Hee Haw. Opry, right? Green Hee Haw was like redneck comedy sketches. And I'm sure I probably did. It was see like a bit of picking it. and grinning. And, oh, okay. You know, is that but, like picking your butthole? Or was, <laughs> no, I don't know. No, picking your banjo. Oh, I was like, because you made this like little like, did it like oh, a little tweaky tweak tweak thing? That, that was and my I was banjo. Like, that was my banjo he playing. Picking, what's he picking down there? And why is he grinning? Okay. <laughs> why is he grinning? Okay, enough about my butthole. <laughs> Right. No, please. Let's go on. Butthole Surfers. What kind of? That was a band, wasn't it? What, yeah. What it a was. weird name. I know. Okay. So, wait a minute. We're still. We still haven't uncovered Jinsey. So I know. So you went to to law school, sort of, just because that's what one does when your dad's a lawyer right. and of you're course. smart. That was the and, clear. That was the clearest path to success. And then, did you go directly from the law office in your mid twenties crisis or whenever it was? straight into the porn world? Really? How did that happen? Um, So I was working at a firm down off Wall Street and in banking litigation, and I was on a big case with like 30 other attorneys. Okay, wait a minute. How did you get from the tiny little office in in Bumfuck, Florida? Sure luck. I'm smart. Yeah, obviously. smart. So you just sort of like, boom, stellar, now I'm on Wall Street. Pretty much, yeah. Great. What greatest legal mind of her generation? Well, I mean, let's not go that far. That Louis Vuitton bag worked perfectly not, on Wall let's Street. Let's not go that far, people. Um, no, I mean, at that time, that was before the crash. So mm. they were hiring on a lot of extra attorneys, right. honestly, just to bill. You did. I did nothing at that job for like <laughs> for five hundred bucks an hour. Six months. Yeah, yeah seriously, we did nothing. And when I say nothing, nothing. Like we played this game called Movie Pong. Where you just go around and like one person names a movie and then the other person names a movie. You're sitting around some really fancy conference table on the 50th floor of some. Exactly. Of the Standard and Poor's building. (laughs) Really? So you really weren't doing anything and they just needed you to be on the payroll so they could prove they had that many. 80 hours per week. Yeah. But you you had to be in the office. Oh, yes. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't just stay at home. No. No. No, you had to clock in. Interesting. Clock in. Um,. I think I came at like 7 a.m. I would leave at like 11 p.m. sometimes. And you just hung out? Oh, yeah. It was horrible, though. I mean, I yeah. can't. I'm like, I can't do that. So that was the main thing for me. Yeah. 
um, I was trying to figure out what to do in my free time, and I, I came to New York because I wanted to practice fashion law. Fashion law. Yes, because I, I, I thought like existed. I thought okay, I hate practicing law. Um, I like fashion. If I can be around creative people, maybe mm. that will make it easier for me to practice law. Right. And that's why I took the job in banking litigation, just to you know build up my practice and whatever right. on the side. So, what happened in the meantime though is that. I broke up with my girl, long-term girlfriend, started dating a ton of girls, sleeping around a ton, and all the guys at the office, you know, they'd never, like, really had a lesbian friend before, let alone, like, a feminine lesbian friend, so they were like, tell me everything. How do you guys have sex? And I'm a very open person, so I would tell them everything, and yeah, they just were like, this is so fascinating, you should write a blog about this. And at that time, blogs were not what they are now. Like, yeah, there were some people with blogs, but it wasn't like everybody has yeah. a blog. Yeah. So I started writing this blog, and it got really popular really quickly. And I was like, there's something to this. And I knew that there was um, a hole in the marketplace because I, when I would go out to buy porn, there was not, not anything that I could find, right? So mm. there were really only two kinds of porn at the time. One, which was, you know, available in mass quantities, was um, por- lesbian porn made by men for men, um, which is, you know, the typical girl-on-girl porn that you think about. And then... The- how, did, how did you know I think about it? I know, right? Um, everybody. I meant everybody is in you. <laughs> you, the world. Um, and then the other porn was what's called dyke porn, which was coming out of San Francisco and was very real and authentic, but was so raw. Right. So I really wanted something. I also found this other phenomenon, which was like, I was more turned on by sex in movies than I was by sex in porn. And so I was like, why can't porn sex be like movie sex, but no plot lines, you know? So that's pretty much what I set out to do was to create authentic lesbian sex that was cinematically inspired. And you, did you have experience uh, in videography? or Very little. I took some film classes in college. Uh, okay. But I seri- I didn't even, I mean, I was a lawyer that had just moved to New York like the year before. So, I mean, a porn star, I didn't know one, you know? Right. Um, but you saw the opening in the market. I did, yeah. And it, and it was something you were interested in, so you had a personal connection to it. I did, and I knew that other people felt the same way because I'd talked to them about it. So, And you also were business savvy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I mean, at the time, I don't know how I had intuition, mm-hmm. clearly, like savvy i think you learn savvy over the years i don't think you're born that way everybody's like oh just very business savvy um no you cut your teeth on some hard shit and Mm. then you learn the way yeah yeah now you said that you saw this market and you were talking with these guys at work who were interested so is the stuff you were producing uh aimed at the male market or the female market female market okay so exactly their interest was just uh sidelines sort of right exactly totally secondary right uh i do have a lot of you know male customers i have a lot of male fans but i never create the porn to appeal specifically to them if it happens to appeal to them, great, awesome, because apparently it does. Yeah, but, well, it's, yeah. Um, and there, you know, I think people really like 
authenticity. Like that's the word mm. of our generation. I feel like, you know, and, um, yeah, because the fake has like, we're talking about tits, getting her breasts, exactly. you know, like the fake has become so overpowering that authenticity is refreshing and unusual. Absolutely. That's why you're going to love Louis CK's TV okay. show <laughs> and his comedy, bringing it back to Louis. I know. Cause he's really authentic. Uh-huh. And he's, you know, I, 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 I agree with you. Like animal abuse is horrible, but he's not into that. <laughs> right. I mean, he does this thing. He, he, I, and I'm going to destroy it, but he does this thing where he says he's got two daughters Mm -hmm. and he says, you know, my daughters are the best thing that ever happened to me. I love them more than I knew I could love anyone. And every night I go to sleep wishing that they had never been born. And the point isn't that there's anything wrong with his daughters. The point is that life is complicated and, and the same people or, or activities or things or whatever that you love the most are the things that are heaviest in your life in some ways. So the, mm-hmm. They're the things that stop you from other things that you might love, mm-hmm. you know, and he's really authentic. He's, he's great. Anyway, enough about Louis C. Right. Um, so, so then, so you went right into this and were you successful immediately? I no, mean, your blog was already long, getting a lot yes, of attention. The blog was very successful. I, it takes a while in business, you know, it yeah. really does. Um, I don't think anybody should go into being an entrepreneur thinking like, let's get rich quick because yeah. it doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Um, I knew, I knew enough about business to know that, you know, kind of three years is the, like make it or break it point. Um, and luckily the reason that I was able to leave my job is because I found an investor who really believed in the idea and saw our partnership as a long-term partnership. Oh, great. So that's been great. That's wonderful mm-hmm. when you can find that, whatever yeah. the business is. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and, and someone who gets what you're trying to do. And, and was a real mentor for me, too. Oh, that's in terms wonderful. Of learning about marketing. And, and, and it's funny because the things that I thought that I was the worst at, I have become the best at. So do you direct? I do now. Yep. Is that one of the things that you're referring to? No, I was scared though. I didn't direct my first movie, which actually became two movies. We split it into two DVDs um, because I was really scared that I couldn't do it. So I hired someone and then I learned in that process that actually I pretty much directed anyway. (laughs) Yeah. um, So, because I'm very opinionated and I'm I'm very perfectionist and I know what I like. And so I'm able to really communicate that to a bunch of different people to achieve an aesthetic that I want. Um, no, I would say like this, I was really, I did not think that I was good at promotion Hmm. and I did not think that I was good talking about myself. You're obvious. You're very good at talking about yourself when you're not being interrupted by somebody with a Louis CK thing. No, that took practice though. I mean, it really did. And I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of media training actually. Oh really? This is the back. You're getting the backside of the story here, people. Um, yes. And actually I was media trained by my friend Laverne Cox, who is now a major star from orange is the new black. Really? Yes. Which she, I have not yet seen, oh but God, I'm really looking to. forward yeah, to it. I mean, it. it's like the far and away the biggest hit from any of the Netflix shows, including and Arrested from what I've read, it's a pretty authentic and nuanced vision of lesbianism. Or it lesbians, really, yeah, I lesbians and, and Laverne is transgendered. She's a transgender Oh, okay. So, oh, I, I've heard of her yes, character. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sophia, yeah. She plays the beautician. Um, so, yeah, La- Laverne did a great job really helping me. I remember when I started 
it out. I couldn't even, we would practice like, okay, now what, what do you say to the camera? I couldn't even say my name. You know, I would say, oh, my name's Jensi Lumpkin. <laughs> and I would start laughing. <laughs> Very awkwardly. Really? It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and we realized that that was basically like deep seated self hatred. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. And, um, she helped me to really overcome that stuff. So I feel like over the years, I don't know, you just get more practice, get yeah. better. And, um, I've gained so much self-confidence. By the way, your makeup looks lovely. Oh, thank you. I have an eye infection in this you do? eye. Yep. I oh. do. So that's yeah. why it's red. I, I don't see it right now, but I saw on my way over here, I saw you tweeted you were putting on makeup. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, I did. You, your eyes look really beautiful. Oh, and I was like, hey, wait you. a minute. Maybe there's some makeup in there. I yeah. Know, right? ah, okay. Aww. All right. Um, all right. So what, what? Oh, orgasm. Yes. Orgasm. Oh, talk, I love them. Talk to me about orgasm. Oh, God. Okay. It's like the best thing ever, honestly. I mean... I feel like when I have a lot of orgasms on a regular basis, I don't need to eat as much. I don't know what it is about like having a lot of sex that just turns my appetite off or something. Mm. But, um, I don't know. It's, it's like better than anything. It's better than chocolate. Honestly, no one says that. Nothing's better than chocolate. Like (laughs) it's amazing. And I feel so sorry. I am definitely multi orgasmic. Mm. Um, so I feel really sorry for anybody who can't have orgasms or like has never had one. Um, cause it's pretty much the best thing ever. Although, you know, they've got something to look forward to. That's true. I, I feel like it's one of the only times that you fully are in your body. Well, we, you know, obviously I, I try to meditate people who try to get out of their bodies or whatever, out of their minds. Um, experience that in a different way but that's like it's it's just this you know body function that you that's the only thing you can think about while it's going on it's just like this is happening to you to your body all over and it's really incredible i mean even if you're maybe you're thinking about your partner or maybe you're you know masturbating or whatever but even if you're like fantasizing and masturbating when the orgasm comes it's like that's the only thing you can focus on yeah it it relaxes the mind yeah yeah by focusing it which mm-hmm. is a very buddhist kind of thing right so but in in okay now i know how can i say this in in you know typical porn the the money shot is a big deal because it's evidence of orgasm right, right? And there's always the controversy about are women faking orgasms and mm-hmm. not and you know in in lesbian porn the, how is there is that a different situation? Are, are women still faking? Can women tell when women are faking? Right. How, well, how does that I work? I think women can tell when women are faking for sure. Hmm. Um, but money shot, not so much. I mean, there are some like female, you know, female ejaculators Ejaculation, or whatever. Right. But um, and I've I actually had <laughs> I had an ex girlfriend who squirted, and I ended up retardedly casting her in one of my movies. So she does like squirt in the movie. So you see that, but no, I mean, that's, I don't know. I feel like that's less important to me. Like I want people to orgasm. I want them to have a good time, but it's really just about trying to create an atmosphere in which they had fun during sex. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Cause okay. some people, yeah, whatever. I mean, for me, it's amazing. I want everybody to be able to orgasm, but sometimes it takes a while for you to get there, you know? Well, and sometimes you can't get there when there are lights and sound people. And is your crew all, all women? No. Oh, um, so there are men had, on set. There are men on set. And 
Um, but this last time that I shot, I actually got hired to direct for another company for the first time. Um, and we had a lot of lesbians on set. We had like three different lesbian camera operators, lesbian set decorator, just a lot of people. And, um, it was so interesting because lesbians are way more perverted than straight men. Really? Oh my God. Like by far, we made the straight men like blush on set. It, it, because of what? Frank discussion about sexuality. What you're saying. Oh, yeah. my God. They would never say those things, like, ever. I mean, we just get down into it, dude. Like, everything. And, um, I mean, certainly they would never say those things in front of women, you know? Because they're like, it's not polite. Oh, they're gentlemen. Right. Oh, exactly. What? So... They were just like, whoa, you girls are nasty. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. Well, yeah. I mean, they always say the women's bathrooms are just a disaster in restaurants and stuff. You know, I've heard that. Oh, like dirty? Just dirty and like, you know. I've been in men's bathroom and they they smell way worse and there's pee everywhere. Well, there's pee everywhere. That's true. But that's that's more an anatomical issue. I had to. I worked as a cocktail waitress for like two weeks after college. Uh And I used to have to. Yeah, didn't last. Not glamorous. Not glamorous. I had like a totally different idea of what a cocktail waitress would be like. I didn't know I was going to have to clean the bathrooms. I was like, uh, what? Hello. So I like go Mm -hmm. to the clean the men's bathroom and I was like, this is not going to work out for me. There's freaking pee on the ceiling. How does pee get on the damn ceiling? Like I had to get a ladder and clean the pee off the fucking ceiling. Really? Nice guys. Really, really nice. Yeah. Well, you know, some guy was probably just showing off. Probably. Like, he can pee eight feet up, straight up. Yeah, apparently. You know? He was like, whoa. He's this. probably drunk and being like, wow, yeah. how little, far can I A little I too much coke snorting <laughs> off the toilet seat. Yeah, yeah, something. Wow. I've never peed on a ceiling. I mean. I've peed on a roof. Me neither. <laughs> Last time I was in New York, I was I, actually Dan Savage and I were peeing together. And, uh-huh. and he um, schooled me on the proper... Uh, pee, proper pee, pee etiquette in public. How to pee properly in public. There's a proper way. How do you do it? Well, I thought I was doing just fine, but Dan pointed Shake it out. Shake three times? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> oh, my God. So, we, all right, Dan, Dan and I spoke at this, I, don't, I think Dan won't mind if I tell the story, but we spoke at a thing at the Brooklyn Book Festival. Uh-huh. And then and then he took me to my first bear bar. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a bear bar yeah, is? Yeah, of course. Like big Hello, I live in Chelsea. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're in Bear Bar City. I mean, location, location. <laughs> uh, so anyway, for for listeners who may not know, a bear is a big hairy black uh, gay guy. Yep, black, black or white. Yep. Well, there yeah, are black could be, bears. Could be black. Well, I was thinking yes. black yeah. bear, yeah. or that's a grizzly bear. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so Dan uh, took me to this bar and uh, met with Andrew Sullivan, who's a good friend of his and and uh, who I know now, and and he's kind of a bear. And uh, then Dan and I were leaving, going somewhere, and and. Dan had to pee, and I'm like, well, okay, we'll pee. So we went in this dark little street, and Dan's peeing over there, and I'm peeing on this tree, right? And I'm holding my phone. Not only is it in public, it's in public. I thought you meant like public restroom. You're talking about- No, no, we're peeing on the street. In public, public. Yes. Yeah. In full penal view. Well, yeah, penal view. 
<laughs> is that in the penal code? Uh, probably <laughs> You're is, talking actually. law I'm now. Sure, That's I'm law sure. language. I'm sure that it's in the penal code and it's a no-no. It is. Yeah. Well, actually, I said that to Dan. Like, you can't pee in New York. You'll mm-hmm. get it. And he's like, ah, whatever. It's, it's dark over here. So he's peeing over there. I'm peeing on this tree. And uh, Dan finished first. And he came over. And I, I've got my phone. And I'm, like, looking down at my phone, like, pretending i'm looking at my messages and dan's like oh you don't know how to do this you know i was like what do you mean he's like first of all you move the phone up here so he pulls my hand up so i'm looking up at the phone uh-huh. because you're you're distracting from what you're doing down here right so okay so that's a little that's a good advice a good and he tip. says the other thing is you have to sway your hips so that the pee doesn't make that metallic splashing sound landing in the wet thing right because it's like landing in dirt that's already wet you want it to oh, land in the dry dirt wow. okay, there's so, like so much symbol. you're making an infinity symbol right. or a swastika or whatever right. exactly you're spelling your name <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I learned a lot that wow. that evening, and I think about it every time I pee, uh, you know, in a New York street. Wow. Speaking of which, is it, does that window open? <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. We're we're over an hour, so that means oh we're, we're on borrowed time here. I've taken up a lot of your afternoon. Uh, I feel like we, we... I still feel like we haven't really uncovered the secret life of... We'll yeah. have to do part two, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've got... Okay, tell people where to find you. You've got like 128 million Twitter followers. I know. I have a gajillion, probably uh, because... How does that happen? Because I write, well, you write for HuffPost too. Yeah. I, to me, writing for HuffPost is like, you know, putting a letter in a bottle and throwing it in the ocean. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, they made a big deal of asking me to write for them. And I, at the time I thought like, whoa, Huffington Post, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I wrote a few things and they, you know, put it on, you know, what they, there was like no way to find what I'd written unless you already had the link. Right. right, right. Like, oh, great. So I can like send my friends to Huffington Post well, now. I, what, what lo- I mean, my editor, Amway. Noah Michelson at Gay Voices and Huffington Post has really, from the beginning, he was at Out Magazine before. Yeah. And he is such a sex positive activist um, in this, you know, in the way that he can be through the media. So he really tries to put help help elevate people who put a sex positive message out. Mm-hmm. So he um, nominated me for the out 100, which I got in 2010. And then when he moved to HuffPost in 2011, he wrote me and asked me to come write for them. But he and discriminates so, against straight people. Well, you know, it's tough for straight people. No, they, they, he likes allies. He likes allies. So I, um, so he's been really great at helping to promote uh-huh. me. So yeah. I think that that's really helped. And, um, and I think that there unfortunately are not so many sex positive female role models out there. So people from all over the world find me and, um, you know, I, I feel like I have a pretty strong, um, voice, mm. you know, and I have a very strong message and I'm pretty clear about delivering it on a consistent basis. Right. If you follow my Twitter feed. Um, so people like that. Yeah. People really like that and they connect to that. Yeah. They like good. the openness. Good. Yeah. Authenticity, baby. Exactly. It's all about the authenticity. So yeah. So where you yeah. can find me, um, well, you can read my Huffington post column. Right. You can actually get there directly by going huffingtonpost.com forward slash Jensi Lumpkin. And then it lists all of the articles uh you can follow me on twitter at juicy agency um and then of course on facebook um i think it's 
I think it's Facebook forward slash Gen C Lumpkin. And you can, of course, go and subscribe to be a member of our porn site, JuicyPinkBox.com. JuicyPinkBox.com. Yes. Is there a discount code? Yes, there is. In fact, we have a college promo going on right now. I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but if you go right now, um, anytime in the next month and a half, um, it's you put in a promo code called College Curious, mm. and it's the university student promo, and you get ten dollars for a month for a lifetime. Oh. Normally, it's twenty five for a lifetime. Yeah, normally it's twenty five per month. So, do you have to be eighteen to sign up? Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you're 18, if you just turn 18 and use that sure code, so. <laughs> you get a huge discount. Yeah. And you live into your 90s. Exactly. You know, think of Giant. the money you'll save. You can pay your mortgage off with that amount of money. Exactly. <laughs> you can buy a oh Rolex. God. In fact, no, that's so funny. I think I'm going to actually, I think we'll do an infographic about that. <laughs> that's ins- you've inspired me. There it is. There's the value. That and Louis C.K. are <laughs> yeah. the two things you're going to take from this. Give Louis another chance. Okay. Well, thank you. This was great. It was so fun. Yeah, it's really fun hanging yeah. out in in Versailles here in the palace <laughs> right. in the in the teal the teal room. Uh, thanks. Yeah, let's do it again. I'd, yeah. I'd love to. I'm going to read everything you write now, okay, and next great. time I'll be much better informed. Okay, awesome. Vice yeah. versa. I can't wait to read your book. Thanks. Bye. He said, baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time? Think about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you ever know Send it for a Soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up Or give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Think about an obligation Running from a confrontation Wondering what we ought to say Smoke alarms will dance into the ground.